It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. I invite you in your Bibles to turn, first of all, to the book of 1 Thessalonians. We'll go there, make sure I got my marker here. I'm going to begin a series this morning. I'm just going to call it Matters of the Heart. Amen? Praise God. We're going to dig into this. The Lord has just really been visiting me on this subject. Many of the subjects that I teach and preach on, I, I, uh, I get through Revelation. And, and it's an amazing thing. I never really understood how that would operate or work. When I first went into ministry, I preached my first message on April the 21st, 1984. And I just shared my testimony is all I did. I I'd, I'd, uh, came back to the Lord, been back to the Lord a little bit over a month. And God opened a door for me to go uh, share my testimony. So that's what I did. I went and shared my testimony. And, and so April and May, June, I remember after that, I went up to a church in El Campo, Texas, where a guy, Assembly of God pastor, had me to come up and do a youth meeting. And then Full Gospel Businessmen. How many remember Full Gospel Businessmen? Anybody remember them? <clears throat> back in the day, I went and did, I don't know how many, Full Gospel Businessmen meetings. And then different pastors would hear me at Full Gospel Businessmen services. And so I'd get to go uh, to some of the churches. Then in September of 84, I started Bible school. Now, after Bible school, which would graduate, I graduated in, in May of 1985. June of 1985, I held my first full-fledged revival, Sunday through Wednesday revival. And kind of just took off and, and, and from then on had been preaching, teaching some capacity, uh, whether just as a teacher, evangelist, or whether as a pastor teacher, uh, I've been doing that. Now, uh, for five years, that would have been 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, for five years, uh, I never laid any claim on a ministerial office. Do you know what I mean when I say that? You know, the Bible in Ephesians chapter 4 talks about the five-fold ministry, or the five ministry offices given into the body of Christ. First, there's the apostle, then the prophet, the evangelist, uh, then there's the pastor-teacher, amen? Now, uh, around here, we've seen, anybody know of any apostles that have been here in this church? We've got, we've had one of the greatest apostles on the planet, Pastor Paul Chase, who's a very good friend of mine. Come, he's got churches all over the Philippines. He's got a church in Nepal. He's got a church in, uh, he's got churches in uh, all over Southeast Asia. He's a true uh, apostle of God. Now, an apostle can touch every other ministry gift. If apostle needs to flow in a prophetic gift, he can touch that gift. If he needs an evangelistic gift, he can touch that gift. If he needs pastoral gift, he can touch that gift. If he needs teaching gift, he can touch that gift. That's the amazing thing about the apostle. Amen? Now, uh, then there's the, uh, the prophet. Anybody know of any prophets we've had here? Brother Joe Morris. He points into the Word and shows us things we've not seen before. I've heard so many things that he's brought up. I mean, we, most of us that have sat in his meetings, we can all talk about many of the signs that we're in the end time. How many can say it? The, the, the formation of the nation of Israel, Jerusalem being given back, the restoration of the Hebrew language. I mean, we can just go through. That's the prophet's ministry. Amen. Then the evangelist. Anybody know an evangelist that comes here? Danny Johnson. Man, that guy can get up and preach and he's got it. Amen. How many have ever heard his testimony? He's got one of the most outstanding testimonies you've ever heard in your life. And evangelist, you know, what's amazing to me about evangelists, evangelists can get up and read half a scripture and preach for an hour. It's an amazing gift, but they can throw the net. I'm always surprised at how many people get saved when an evangelist comes. 
It's an amazing, amazing thing. Then there's the pastor, the ring finger, the love finger. He's the one who takes the oversight of the church. He's the one that is with God's people. He's the one that's there all the time. So there's a, there's a love element to the pastoral gift. Then there's the teaching gift, the little finger. You say, how do you know it's a teaching? It's the one that fits in your ear. <laughs> Makes it that simple, Amen. Well, for five years, I'd have people even try to put things on me and say, you're this or that. I never did buy into it. Don't ever let anybody put anything on Somebody walks up and says, I think you're a prophet. You ought to say, I think you're a nut. <laughs> Amen. But I would. I'd go to meetings. People say, you're the, and I, I, never did, I never did adhere to that. But in 1988, actually over in Europe, I was at a, at a personal meeting at a house with some people that had some very serious things going on in life and ministry. And when I was talking to them, something fell on me. It literally felt like if I was laying in my easy chair at home and, and Leah was to take and throw a, what do you call them, a throw or a, an Afghan or throw, whatever. And she was just to throw it on me and it kind of come down on you. That's how it felt. It literally felt like that. So I went back into my room and I began to pray in the Holy Ghost and I said, Lord, what is that? You never do anything without purpose. And the Lord spoke to me. He says, I've just deposited a teaching gift in you. Now, teaching, I didn't, I didn't understand what that meant in 1988. I didn't understand what it meant to walk in the office of a teacher, which I still do. And basically, a teacher gets revelation from the Word. That doesn't mean that I don't study. I do study. But much of my study is limited because God will give me revelation. That will open it up, and then study will begin. Most preachers do it just the opposite. They begin to study to try to find a revelation. I get revelation and begin to study it. There was, there was many years ago, probably in the early 90s, we were all gathered at my mom and dad's house. Uh, they were still over here in, uh, living in, uh, uh, not Colony Park, uh, what's the... Harville Lafitte. They were living in Harville Lafitte. And it was Christmas time. And as we do at Christmas, we always read the Christmas story. So dad told me, he said, go back in, in, in mom, mom and my bedroom, get the Bible and, and open it to Luke 1 and get ready to read, actually Luke 2, and get ready to read the Christmas story. Well, my eyes fell on Luke 1. And when it fell on Luke 1, all that information about Mary just literally got transposed into my spirit. How many have ever heard me teach on Mary around here? You know, out of all the different things you have to... I preach that all over the world. I mean, you've never seen people get set free till they get set free from tradition and religion. I mean, we preached that in Ireland one night till the Irish people liked to dance a hole in the floor. Dad was there. He saw it. I mean, those people shouted. They ran. They danced. They glorified God because with that one revelation, a tremendous religious stronghold was broken in their life. Now... This revelation on what I'm fixing to begin today, it came to me about a month, month and a half ago, just kind of, just kind of looking at some things in the Word of God, and God just began to explode it. So as I have begun to study it, I'm going to give it out to you. Now, many times when God gives me revelation, out of that revelation in Luke chapter 1, the word change began to drop into my life, into my spirit. And what it did, it changed my heart. And I'll explain some of that later. But now, this thing we're going to begin to deal with now is the reason many people never progress in God. Listen, God wants you progressing in Him. He does not want you living from trial to tribulation to physical sickness to financial breakdown. He doesn't want you living like that. He wants you living from faith to faith and glory to glory. He wants your life to be a continual procession of possession, where you are proceeding into the will of God and possessing that which God has for you. 
Now that doesn't mean we won't have to fight trials. That doesn't mean we won't have tribulation. But that means every time we do, it does not hinder us from our forward progression. Amen. A lot of people, the Lord spoke to this to me recently. He said, the problem with a lot of people, they just don't have a heart to serve me. Now they know it's in their spirit and they know they have a desire, but the heart's not there. Now anything that's in your heart, you'll act on. You'll walk in it. You'll see it manifest. Amen. Now, before I get ahead of myself, did you find 1 Thessalonians? 1 Thessalonians 23, verse 23, chapter 5, verse 23. Let's read there. Chapter 5, verse 23. It says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, everybody say spirit, and soul, everybody say soul, and body, everybody say body, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we see these three things, spirit, soul, and body. Now, I noticed in that passage is not the word heart. Now, the limit of my teaching and my own understanding is that there are times when the word heart can be interchanged with the word spirit. Amen? And that is true. There are times when the word heart is used in the word of God and that actually talks about pneuma. Pneuma is the Greek word for spirit and it's actually talking about your human spirit. There are other times when the word heart is talked about that it's talked about and it refers to the soul. The soul we know is our mind, our emotions, and our will. Uh, the way we think, the way we feel, and the choices we make. Now, there are, what did you tell me the other day? You found some 700 references of the word heart in Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. So as I begin to dig into the Word of God, I begin to see, yeah, there are times in which the word heart means the spirit. There are times the word in which the, heart, the word heart means soul, but there are other times when the word heart means heart. Did you get that? When the word means heart. And we need to understand that and we need to differentiate. Now, notice, we are spirit, soul, and body. That is our identity. So spirit, soul, and body is who we are. I like to say it like this. You are a spirit. Everybody say, I am a spirit. Now, a spirit is what's created in the likeness and the image of God. You're not, a, you're, you're not like a horse. You're not like a cow. You're not like any type of animal in the animal kingdom. They're not made in the likeness and image of God. They're basically dualistic. They have a soul and they have a body, but there's actually not a, quote, spirit to them. Now, they may have a, a, a type of spirit. You talk about a spirited horse or, or, or a dog with a certain spirit to it or anything like that, but there's no, there's no identity of spirit in them. They are not spirit beings you are and your spirit being is your true identity your spirit being the real you is neither male or female amen it's neither black white hispanic or any other racial identity your spirit being is your is your literally you ever heard the word spitting image he's a spitting image of his daddy that comes from an old hebrew term which means spirit and image did you know you're the spitting image of your heavenly father your spirit man is. Your spirit on the inside. Then we have a soul. We just said our mind, our emotions, our will, the way we think, the way uh, choices we make, uh, and uh, what did I say? The way we think, the way we feel, the choices we make. Then we have a body. Now all your body is. That's why well, there's so much turmoil over people's color, their, 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 their size. Listen, your body is your earth suit. It is your license to be on the earth. Without a physical body, your human spirit cannot exist on the earth. I was at the, the, the up at Classic uh, uh, car dealership getting my 
uh, service on my truck the other day, and I had one of these magazines. You know, they put these free magazines out that talk about what's going on in Galveston and all this kind of stuff. And I came across an advertisement that talked about the Galveston Ghost Tour. You ever heard of that? And they list all these things that you go see. And Listen, there are no disenfranchised spirits on the earth, human spirits. There are no ghosts. Amen. You say, well, I went on one of those. What was all that speaking? That's demonic. Those are devils. Those are little demons, little devils, little imps. They do that kind of stuff to try to fool people. And you better be careful. You mess with that, it'll get into your life. Amen. So, well, I saw a ghost. It wasn't a ghost. It was a demon. It was a demon. They can manifest themselves in ways like that. That's all there is. And if you ever see another one, you point out, you say, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. Amen. So we are, everybody say, we are spirit, soul, and body. Now, think about a baby, a little baby when it's born. You can't walk up to the crib like when Breland was born or, or Sarah and Natalie, our nieces. You can't walk up to that crib and say, oh, man, they sure got a heart for math. It's just a little baby. They sure have a heart for football or volleyball. or baseball. No, there's nothing that has been developed. Now, I'm going to throw this out, but we're going to come back to it. The heart can rest between two places in our lives. The heart can rest between the spirit and the soul, or it can rest between the soul and the body. Now, let me give you an example of soul and body, and you might help, help you understand spirit and soul in just a minute. There are athletes. We have all this sports in our nation. Uh, what are the big three? Ba- uh, uh, basketball, football, baseball, and then soccer has gotten big. We've got tennis. We've got Olympic sports. We've got all these sports. People that excel in sports in this nation have the heart to do it. I mean, uh, we, we have, I guess, today professional football. You know, most of those guys playing in those games today have been playing football their whole life. I mean, they've been playing their whole life. I, I mean, from the time they were, what is it, what is it, Coach? Pop Warner, Pop Warner, Pee Wee, uh, uh, junior high, high school, college, professional. That takes a lot of heart. So we can see people out in the athletic world who, who have greater ability, but they don't have the heart to play the game. You understand what I'm saying? That means that heart is not only connected to their physical body, it's connected to their soul. It's connected to the way they think. It's the way, connected to the way they feel. It's connected to the choices they make. Yeah, there are guys that excel greatly because they do over it. I mean, they go to the regular practices, but then they have their own practice. They have their, they have their own weight training program. They're, they have their own personal trainer. They're doing all this extracurricular stuff because they got a heart for the game. Now, when I was a kid, actually, before we moved to Galveston, when I was 15, 16, and 17, I rodeoed. I rode bulls. And when I first started, I started a little uh, practice rodeo in Highlands, Texas, where you could pay $2 and get on, the bull, get on a bull. Now, the first bull I got on, they opened the gate, threw me right in the ground. And I was like, got on him again, threw me right in the ground. So I had to learn a little bit about it. Now, those bulls were not, you know, these big PBR bulls. These were old, tired, <laughs> really didn't care a whole lot. You know, they'd throw you down and just kind of look at you, you know. And so, you know, a couple of times they would bring some better bulls. But I started to learn about the sport. And then after a year or so, I began to excel in the sport. Now, at the end, when I was 17 years old, I rode a big old, big old uh, Brangus bull. He beat me up real bad in Pasadena, but then I rode him the next week in Alvin. Black Five was his name. He was a big old ornery thing. 
Now, this bull was also used in the professional ranks. Now, I watched a man named Jack Wiseman ride this bull in Deer Park, Texas and win the International Rodeo Federation World Championship on that bull. So, I had in my mind the idea of pursuing it. You know, getting my, you could get a learner's permit in the Professional Rodeo, uh, Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association, which gave you the right to go to a certain amount of shows, a certain amount of rodeos, and if you won a certain amount of money in those rodeos, you were able to get a permanent card in the Professional Rodeo Association and go ride in rodeos like Houston and Calgary and, and all the big rodeos make lots of money. But you know, when I begin to think about doing that, my life was not what it should be. I wasn't serving God. I was backslid away from God doing things I shouldn't do. And I just could not get it in my heart. And I walked away. I just took my rope and spurs and hung them up and walked away from it all. Now, my contemporaries, one of my contemporaries was a young man named Donnie Gay. Anybody ever heard of Donnie Gay? Donnie Gay went on to win nine world bull riding championships. Now, let me say something about Donnie. He was not the best rider uh, I'm, in my opinion, the best rider in those days was a, was a guy named Marvin Paul Shoulders, whose dad was Jim Shoulders, who won 16 world championships in three di- different bucking events. He could ride. I saw him ride Mickey Mouse in Oklahoma City one time. It was one of the greatest bull rides I ever saw in my life. Now, the reason that Marvin Paul didn't, didn't win nine world championships is because he didn't have the heart Donnie Gay had. Donnie Gay, I seen him look like a rag doll on the back. He just would not let go till that buzzer rang. And he just held on and held. If it broke his leg, he didn't care. If it broke his arm, he didn't care. If blood was coming out of his, because I saw all of that. He just had such a heart for the sport, he won nine world championships. Now, you say, what do you mean by that? His body was connected to his soul by his heart. He understood the game. He understood how it was played. He made the right choices. He felt the right way. There were times when he was beat up and busted up. I saw him with a cast on his arm one time, ride a bull that nobody had ever been ridden. You say, how could he do that? He had a heart for it. Now, let's take that and move it. Let's move it from in between the soul and the flesh to in between the spirit and the soul. Are you with me? Now, when you got born again, it was your spirit man. It was not your heart. You believed in your heart. But if you notice, really, you walk into a church like this, and you come up to the front, you never heard of salvation. Then all of a sudden you say, okay, I'm going to go up there, and I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth, God raised Jesus from the dead. You come up, you say what we call the sinner's prayer. And you really mean it. You really believe it with your heart. That means you're saying, I'm going to let it affect my soul, my mind, the way I think, my emotions, the way I feel, and my, and my will, the choices I make. Now, the reason most of you are here is because you believed in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And because you believed in your heart, your spirit man became brand new. And from the spirit man, God began to develop your heart. And it begins to affect what? your mind, your emotions, and your will. So many times what we're working on by renewing our mind, because listen, you're going to have trouble with your mind as long as you're alive. Till the day the rapture takes place or we shut the lid. You know, 
you're going to have trouble with your mind. But the good news is you can develop a heart for God that will override the doubt in your mind. You say, what do you mean by that? There's been times when I believed in my heart and doubted my head. Come on, church. I mean, I believed in my heart, but I doubted with my head because as long as my head was looking at the situation, I couldn't see no way out. But I kept feeding on the Word, feeding on the Word, feeding on the Word in my spirit, and I knew in my heart God will break through in this situation. Now, go if you were back to Proverbs. We're in chapter 3 on the offering. Go to chapter (coughs) 4. Excuse me. Chapter 4 of the book of Proverbs. This is going to be a good series. Thank you for two amens. Because what we're believing God for is for God to change all of our hearts. Change does not take place in your spirit. Your spirit, you're made brand new. If any man be in Christ, he's a what? A new creature. So where we need a change is where? In our hearts. That which lies between the spirit and the soul. Now, Proverbs chapter 4. Let's read there in verse 20. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Now, I, I forgot to mention this in the, in, in the early service, but I'm going to mention it to you guys. Remember what God said about David? He said, he's a man after my own heart. Now, this will help kind of qualify what we're saying here. All of those guys in that old covenant were not born again. They were not born again. They did not have what you have. They did not have a brand new spirit in them like you have. So basically, they had to go over here to the soulish area. They had to go into their mind. They had to go into their feelings. And they had to go into their choices. Now, David did what? David was the kind of guy that would sit out and watch his father's sheep and worship God. How was he doing that? He was doing that with his soul. What did it do? It gave David a heart for God. David never saw himself in any other light other than that of a servant. Even when he slew Goliath, thy servant. When he talked about himself as a king, thy servant. All through the Psalms, thy servant, thy servant, thy servant. So he used the word that he had in its day and its power to build in him a strong heart for God. We see that heart a little less in Solomon. And we see it even less than that after Solomon dies. And his son, who was it, Rehoboam? I mean, Rehoboam's heart was turned almost the other direction. Amen. So they did not have the advantage that we have, but they still, Moses had a strong heart to come back at age 80 and allow God to use him to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Joshua had to have a strong heart to endure 40 years in the wilderness and watch an entire generation die, but then to be willing to go in and possess the promised land. Amen? Now, if they can build a strong heart from God, from the soulish to the heart, what kind of heart can we build? Amen? Amen. Now, listen to the scripture again. Attend to my words and climb thine ears into my saying. Let them not depart from thy eyes. Keep them. Keep them in the midst of thy heart. Why? For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Did you know every time you keep the word in your heart, it's life and health, life and health, life and health, life and health. That's why every day you need a good shot of life and health. That's why you ought to read the Word, study the Word, meditate on the Word. Because as you do that, what God will do, as you do that in obedience to what's in your spirit. Okay, I'll do that. Do that, Lord. Your spirit has no unbelief in it. 
Your spirit, it says over in the book of 1 John, is sealed by the Holy Ghost and the evil one does not touch it. The only need you have in your spirit is for it to grow and develop. But everything the word says, your spirit says, yes, amen, yes, amen, yes, amen. Where it gets cut off is in your soul. So you have to develop a heart stronger than your soul. So when the word of God comes to your spirit and your spirit goes, yes, amen, your heart rejoices because you're keeping it in your heart. And your mind says, uh-uh, you say, shut up. That's my life. And that's my health. That's my life, and that's my health. And actually, if you study the word life, that's the word zoe. That's the life, the kind of life that God himself enjoys. It's your life. It's your health. It's your prosperity. It's healing in your marriage. It's blessings on your kids. It's every good thing that God has given us in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, notice what it says here. Verse 23. Keep thy heart. With all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, as I begin to study this, I begin to get into my different translations. Somebody actually gave me a beautiful notebook that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So I knew it was the right notebook. You can put my name on it. Amen. So don't steal my notebooks. I got into Proverbs 4, and I begin to dig. Now, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ears unto my saying, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they are life unto those that find them, health to all their flesh. Different translations, Moffat translations. Never lose sight, fix them in your mind. A Jerusalem translation. Do not let them out of your sight, keep them deep in your heart. Uh, uh, the uh, 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 Weymouth translation. Keep these thoughts ever in mind, let them penetrate deep within your heart. In your heart. It's talking about the Word of God. Now, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Listen to this. From it flows or springs up life. Revised standard. With all watchfulness, guard thine heart. For out of it flow the actions of life. Did you get that? So the actions of your life flow out of your heart. Use all watchfulness to keep thy heart. This is the Knox translation. To keep thy heart true. That is the fountain from which life springs. Guard your heart more than any other treasure. For it is the source of all life. Now I wrote a note under that that says your heart is the compass or the thermostat of your life. It is regulated by your words. Jesus said out of the abundance of your heart your mouth speaks. Amen? So we must understand that we need to be personally involved in the developmental, uh, the developmental stages of, of gaining or getting a heart for the things of God. Now, I begin to think about this in my own life. And I remember I talked about early about going into ministry back in 1984. But for about a month, I did not want to do that. It was not in my heart. Now, I knew I was called to preach at age 17. Number one, I knew it. Secondly, our pastors, which I had a lot of confidence in, brother and sister Goodwin, Mom Goodwin prophesied over me at age 17 uh, most of the ministry that I've been involved in the last 30-something years. I came back to the Lord, and I did not want to stand in front of people, teach or preach. I wanted nothing to do with ministry. 
It was not in my heart. Are you with me? But during that month or so, all I did was go to meetings. All I did was fast and pray. All I did was open myself up to God and allow God access to my heart. Now, there's a key right there. Your heart this morning, when it comes to the things of God, is either open or closed. I'll show you that in just a minute when we close. I'll show you the last scripture that we use. You've got to allow God to access your heart. Now, Lee and I, for years in ministry, would say two things. We would say, number one, we don't ever want to pastor a church. Number two, we don't ever want to have children. Now, in about 1995-96, I began to examine my motives. We didn't have anything going on in our life that was negative. We were blessed of God. We were very busy. Leah had actually come on as the administrator of Rusty Martin Ministries. We had doors open all over the world. But there was just something that was wrong with my heart. Are you with me? And because I had something wrong with my heart, I knew God was dealing with my heart. So I began to lay these motives out. And as I began to lay these motives out, I began to talk to Leah about it. We begin to allow God to examine everything in our lives. Because listen, if, if you've got something in your life that's not of God, you need to go to work to get it out. And a lot of people just pick up garbage in their heart. Listen, and don't get me wrong. I know this is 2017. People have been hurt. There's things that have happened. People have gone through relationships, both, both marital relationships, church relationships, all kinds of things that have happened to all of us that could violate your heart. But the thing is, is if your heart has been violated, allow Jesus to heal it. He is still, as it says in John chapter 4, excuse me, in Luke chapter 4, the healer of broken hearts. So we begin to begin to pray, begin to seek the Lord, begin to open ourselves up to the Lord. And God changed our heart. It was a five-year process. Now, when it came to children, I told this story earlier. I was in a meeting in New Braunfels, Texas, Pastor... uh, uh, not Danny Green. What was Danny's brother's name? Um, I can see his face. Philip. Philip Green. I was in Philip Green's church. And several pastors from the area were coming. We were doing a Sunday through Wednesday, two services a day. Several other pastors were coming. And I believe it was on Tuesday night, they had all the pastors over to their house for a fellowship. And uh, uh, when they came over, you know, pastors would eat and then they'd excuse themselves. They need to leave. And so after about an hour, hour and a half, there there was Pastor Philip and his wife. And then there was uh, another couple that were there. And they had stayed over because they wanted uh, me to minister to them. Now, they uh, had been married for something like seven years. And they had had miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. Some of them, uh, the babies were carried like five and six months before she would miscarry. And it was just this horrible, their hearts were broken. They were just, they were just in, 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 in and actually, uh, Pastor Philip's wife was telling the story. They just started bawling. They just started crying. And my heart broke for them. It just broke for them. I just, the compassion of God. Of course, we laid hands on them, prayed for them. I got a letter from them a year later that they had a baby girl. Amen. Now, we administered to dozens of people for years that needed to have, and it never touched my heart. But that touched my heart. And when it touched my heart, my heart opened. And when my heart opened, God accessed it. And when God accessed it, He put a desire for a child in my heart. 
That's exactly how it happened. Same thing happened with pastoring. I mean, we were just going and blowing and doors were open all over Europe, all over. I mean, we were just, we had some large churches wanting us to come. And all of a sudden, I was talking, actually I was talking to Pastor B.B. Hankins down in West Columbia, holding a meeting for him. And he made one statement to us as we were sitting at the, at the at dinner at the, at the, remember we used to go to that golf club and eat, and, and, and eat lunch. And we were sitting there and he made one statement and all of a sudden I let my guard down. And when I let my guard down, it opened my heart. And when it opened my heart, where I have rejected everything. The first thing God spoke to me five years before that was the term island church. Island church. And I'd write stuff and I'd tear it out of my prayer log and I'd throw it away. And then I'd start again. Island church. Island. But see, God had to do what? He had to change my heart. But the only way he could change my heart was for me to allow him access. Now, I got to digging. Everybody say, get to digging. I got to digging. I like to dig. That's the, way, that's the way we ought to all be. Amen? I got to digging. So I wanted to know, okay, Hebrew, Greek, um, uh, dictionaries. What is, okay, what, what are we talking about here? Heart. Everybody say heart. H-E-A-R-T. Number one, physical. Everybody say physical. Hollow organ in the front of your chest that pumps blood. Amen? Pretty simple, amen? So there's the physical definition. Hollow organ in the front of your chest that pumps blood. Keep it healthy. Amen? Don't ever take a beat for granted. Keep it all healthy. Then, I'm not going to tell all the references I've got. I just wrote all this down. The emotional or moral as distinguished from the intellectual nature. Now, it begins to go into definition. A generous disposition compassion, a leader with a heart. That leader has real heart. Love and affection. He won her heart. Amen. Amen. Lee and I, we won each other's heart. Amen. We still, we still keep each other in our hearts. That's why our marriage hadn't, hadn't grown stagnant or stale. Amen. Courage. He never lost heart. He fought the fight. He never lost heart. Amen. One's, one's uh, innermost character or feelings our, our, our interactions. I knew it in my heart. I just knew it in my heart. Uh, um, a man after my own heart. Amen. See what I'm talking about? The essential or most vital part of something. The heart of a matter. We need to get to the heart of this matter. Amen. That's what we do so many times. We leave stuff on the table and we don't get to the heart of the matter. There are times we just need to get to the heart of the matter. Amen. Everybody say the heart of the matter. It says uh, uh, memory has to do with your memory. I knew that by heart. I can recite that by heart. Amen? Uh, then it talks about uh, uh, to take it to heart, to have deep concern. Now, uh, one, one, uh, one uh, person I was reading after said this, different from spirit, soul, or body, the, so, the heart seems to have an... Ha, different from spirit, soul, and body, the heart seems to have an ability to interconnect with all three. To interconnect with all three. Now, isn't that interesting that even Webster's and, and the collegiate, all these dictionaries go into this, and there was pages of stuff, just like what I just read you, about the heart, showing us that number one, everybody say number one, this is our first point, your heart must be developed. I don't have a heart for bowling. Other people do. They love it. They're part of a league. They go every week. Amen. I don't have a heart for golf. 
Somebody asked me one time, well, all preachers play, play golf. Why don't you play golf? Because I don't involve myself in any sport whose sole purpose is to put me into a hole. Just my opinion. Amen. Amen. I used to have a strong heart toward many things, surfing and fishing and hunting. That has faded over the years. You say, why has it faded? I've allowed it to. I knew that the latter years of my life were going to be totally involved in ministry. I love going up to the San Burrito to hunt a deer. I like going over the winter to hunt uh, ducks with my friends every once in a while. But I've let it, especially in the past couple of years, I've let it fade. You say, why? My heart doesn't have room for that and other things that God's doing in my heart. I love it. I enjoy it. I love the sunrises. I love to see the birds work. I love to see a big deer in the brush. I love all those things. Amen? But my heart is moving in another direction. I'm allowing God to work my heart. Amen? Are you with me? Now, one of the reasons Lee and I are here now doing what we're doing is because God changed just about every definition of that right there. that you, He changed our innermost desires. He changed the things that give us courage. Because, see, you can get real used to something if it's in your heart. And you can become familiar with it. And then when God wants to change your heart, it's very scary. It's not fearful. It's scary. The very concept of having to pastor a church free, we were like, oh, my God. How in the world are we going to do that? Of having a child. She hadn't got me fully raised when we had Breland. <laughs> Amen. And we had to fight for her. We had to fight to get her here. Not, on, not only did we have to fight to get her here, uh, when uh, uh, about two days before we, she was born, I was praying and interceding over Leah and the, and the child. And the, and the Lord spoke to me and said, Be careful, be careful, be careful. The devil's going to try to kill them both. I'm like, Oh my God. So I'm praying to the Holy Ghost for two days before Breland's born. And some guy walks into, the, uh, into, into Leah's room and gives her an overdose of epinephrine. Y'all people in medicine know what that is. Just shoots her full of it. She starts swelling up. All this kind of stuff starts happening. I'm like, oh my God. And the, and the doctor ran in, came and saw what was going on, did what was necessary, rushed her into the delivery room and took Breland. And that's the reason they're both alive. God spared their lives. Well, if our heart wouldn't have been in that direction, how, God, how could have God spoke those things to us? Because He only speaks in line with His will and that which you have accepted in your heart. So we were very intimidated by having the pastor, very intimidated by being parents when most people are considering retirement. So you don't look that, long, that, that, that old. That's because we keep a young heart. Amen. So when you begin to realize that, you begin to recognize, oh my goodness, this developmental area of my life, I've got to, number one, guard it. Number two, I've got to develop it. And I've got to develop it in line with God. Now let me just say this, and, and we'll call, oh man, my time's up. How did how to go that long? Is this helping anybody? Now, some of you, you came out of sin, you came out of unrighteousness, and, and you don't understand why you seem to still have a heart or a taste for things, a desire for things. Amen? Your answer is found in the book of Psalms, chapter 34. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you a whole new set of desires where in your heart. Amen. 
Many people struggle. They come to church one or two times. They think, well, that's enough. I went up there and said that prayer. I don't need that anymore. But there wasn't a heart change in them. A true heart change in your life will motivate you toward the things of God. And all the things of God are for your benefit. Everybody say benefit. Now, in closing, real quick, I'm going to close. Go to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. Revelation, chapter 3. All the way to the back of the book, right before your concordance. Verse 14, chapter 3, verse 14. It says, And unto the angel of the church at the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen. How many know who the Amen is? The word amen means so be it. That's Jesus. The faithful and the true witness, the beginning of creation of the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, I that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou were cold or hot. So then the because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Everybody say, get hot. Get hot. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods. And have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You say, what do you mean? They were judging their spirituality by their material wealth. I've seen that happen. I've seen churches get blessed and, and pastors get puffed up and ministers think, oh, God's really blessing, God's really blessing, God's really blessing. We've really got the anointing, we've really got the, because we've got all this money. Then you go to some little humble church somewhere and the glory of God just falls. Amen. Now, we don't judge things on our material. We get in that new building with all that it's going to cost and everything. Listen, we're still going to be humble. We're still going to stay humble. Amen. It says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire. That doesn't mean to go down to the coin dealer and buy gold coins. That means you need some word that has been proven. That means you need to invest in some word. You need to put some effort into some word that has been proven. That thou mayest be rich. Now notice this. And white raiment. Everybody say white raiment. That's your righteousness. That thou mayest be clothed. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes. Everybody say anoint thine eyes. With eye salve that thou mayest see. Now here's what I want to say about that. I'm believing God to anoint everybody's eyes have. You say, eyes with eyes have. You say, why is that? Because everyone has the ability to look at their neighbor and say, I hope they're listening. I hope they're hearing that. Because they really need that. Amen? Oh, I know some people that really need to hear this. Because the first person I'm applying these things to is me. Not you, it's up to you. But if you ever have in your mind, oh, I know somebody, then that's your first problem right there. Amen. That you're judging others, you're not, you're not judging yourself, and your eyes are not upon your own situation and your own heart. You're trying to judge other people's hearts. Well, you can't do that. Only God can judge the heart. And he gives you the ability to judge your heart, amen? Now notice what he says in verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke. There's people that get rebuked. That's it. I'm not ever going to that church again. Listen, when you get rebuked, that's God loving you. Mm -mm -mm. I've had God rebuke me before. And I was kind of like, oh. And then I found this in the Word of God. He said, man, I love you. I care about you. I rebuke and chasten or correct. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Now notice, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
Now, for years, we've used this to give altar calls to sinners. This is not talking about sinners. This is talking about church people who have, their hearts have got a few clicks off. That's what it's talking about. And Jesus says, behold, I'm standing at your door. Well, what door do you think he's talking about? He's not talking about your spirit. Your spirit is still. He's talking about the door of your heart. He's standing right there and he's knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anybody here, if any man hear my voice, that means he's not only knocking, he's saying this. He's knocking, he's saying, let me in, let me in, let me in. And that's what he's doing in this service this morning. To many of us, he's saying, let me in, let me in. There's a reason it's not working. There's a reason that your healing hadn't manifest. There's a reason why you feel the way you feel. There's a real reason why your soul is out of kilter. There's a reason, let me in, let me in, let me in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. I will sup with him and he with me. You know what he's saying? I'm going to come in. I'm going to fix your heart. I'm going to come in. I'm going I'm to interact with you. Now listen. So many, oh my goodness. So many heart changes in my life in the past 30-something years. And now God's doing another heart change in me. Another heart change in me. Another heart change in me. We live in perpetual cycles of heart changes unless we close the door and refuse to open it when God begins to knock. When Jesus, who is he? He's the head of the church. So many times, issues of the heart deal with churches. Interactions one with another. Vision and ministry. That which we should be doing that maybe we're not. And what it does if we open our hearts and allow Jesus to come into what he rightfully owns. Because we don't own none of this. This is not Rusty Martin's church or Leah Martin's church. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your pastor. I'm just the under shepherd to him. I was so shocked the first time I ever heard a pastor say that. I was at Lakewood Church the Sunday before I started Bible school in 1984. And the first thing Pastor Osteen got up was say uh, that morning, he said, I'm not your pastor. I thought, your name's on the sign. <laughs> John and Dodie Osteen, pastors, Lakewood Church. Your name's, he said, I'm not your pastor. But I'm here today to introduce you to your pastor. He's your good shepherd. He's your great shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. I'm just the little under shepherd. But he is your pastor. He is your shepherd. Amen. How many old Lakewood folks we have that ever heard that? See, back there. They all heard that over and over and over and over and over. Well, it's true today. But what does he do to the believer? He comes and stands at the door of our heart and he begins to knock. He begins to knock. So many of you have so many good, righteous blessings that are just coming your way like a locomotive. But in order for you to be in the place that you need to be to receive it, you're going to have to let God in. So, man, my heart has been so disappointed. Jesus will heal it. My heart has been so broken. Jesus will heal it. My heart has been just so abused. Jesus will heal it. What did we read, read in front? Guard your heart. See, a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll give access to all kinds of crazy people to their heart. And then their heart gets all beat up, twisted up, and messed up when actually the only person that has the right to your heart is Jesus. Amen? 
And if you'll recognize that, many of you will have a heart experience with God in the next few weeks that'll change your heart. And you'll have so much joy and you'll have so much peace. And then the blessings of God just start popping in your life just like that because God desires to bless those who has a heart toward Him. Amen? You love the Lord. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our heart as a church. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts as families, as individuals. And we thank you that your heart surgery at Island Church is going to produce your greater will being manifest in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.